You are listening to the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Kyle Trozen. For more information about other LifePoint Church resources, please visit www.livethemessage.org. Father, this morning I pray that none of us would be spectators, but all of us would be fully engaged and saying, God, what do you have for my specific situation this morning, my, my life? Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts, soften our hearts so you can do a work that you want to do in our lives this morning. I pray this morning as we leave, I pray that we would leave change by your presence. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's good to be back. I wasn't here last Sunday. Our family was sick, and so we missed last Sunday, and I hope all of you had a great Christmas. Um, I talked to my family. I'm from North Dakota, southern Canada. That's where Drew's from. (laughs) I appreciated his A because everyone in Ames says I sound like a Canadian in my normal life. Drew is joking, but I sound like a Canadian. Uh, But I was very blessed this Christmas season because being from North Dakota, if you guys know, it's a lot colder up north. And so I talked to my family. They were getting a blizzard, and they were telling me the temperature, and I got cold just hearing it. And, um, you know, in Ames, even when we get a little snow and even when the weather dips down, it's nothing compared to Antarctica, where I'm from. So (laughs) I'm so thankful God called my family to Ames four years ago, selfishly. As Drew said, we're continuing our series called Come and See. The idea is that all of us wouldn't be spectators, but that we would come and see as a family of God what Christ has for us this Christmas season. This morning, the title of my message is Prayer Changes Everything. Prayer Changes Everything. I have this deep conviction in my heart because of my relationship with Jesus, and this didn't happen overnight. But over the last 14 years of following Jesus, I have this deep conviction that prayer changes everything. It's not just a flashy title for this morning to get your guys' attention, but I have this deep conviction that prayer does change everything. So this morning, I want us to take some time to talk about prayer In my years of following Jesus, the thing that has taken me deeper in my faith and grounded me in the Lord is my time of Jesus, times of prayer, times of communicating with the Father. It's not always, you know, these earth-shattering moments, to be totally honest. There's times where I feel dry. There's times where I'm like, are you even listening, God? And there's other times where it's just life-giving and I feel the presence of the Holy Spirit as I'm praying. But as I pray and as I see God work in my life, I'm convinced that he hears me. It may not always be the answer that I'm looking for and in the time frame that I'm looking for, but he hears me and he responds. See, prayer isn't just throwing requests at God. My early years of following Jesus, I felt like so often I was just throwing requests at him. Help me with this. Help me with that. And that's a part of prayer, right? He wants to know what's going on in our lives. He said to bring our petitions to him. But it's not just us throwing requests at him waiting for our yes answer. Prayer is meant to be a conversation with a friend. 
a friend who has your best and my best in mind. Now, that may sound really nice, and some of you here this morning might be like, that sounds nice, Kyle. You know, he has our best intentions. Well, you, you don't know what I'm walking through. <laughs> if, he had my best intention, if he had my best intentions in mind, why am I walking through this? I don't know. I've recently walked through a difficult season, and I didn't know why I was walking through it. And I even had moments where I'm like, God, why, why am I going through this right now? But as I look at his word and as I look at the past history, what God's done in my life, I know he has my best intent. He has my best in mind. And he has your best in mind. So I want you to stop for a second and think of your favorite president. Whoa, where'd you go? Where are you going with this, Kyle? Okay. I want you to, we're going we're gonna to think about this for a second. Your favorite president who's been alive in your lifetime that you remember being in office. So it wasn't like when you were two. It has to be like a president when you were old enough that you're like, man, I really appreciate this president, okay? So that we're not going to get political, but this will help serve what we're talking about this morning. So think of your favorite president when you're alive. You don't need to say this out loud and us have a war. Um, but whatever that president is, think about it for a moment. And think about... That president, right, the guy you looked up to and you're like, man, this guy, he just changed our nation. What would have happened if at whatever age that was, if you got a call one day and it was a president or maybe he showed up at your house with a secret service and he's like, hey, and I don't know why he would show up at your house, but let's just say he did, okay? <laughs> but he shows up at your house, he's like, hey, Drew, I just want to let you know I've heard about you and I just think you're amazing. And I've got a lot going on, but I want to be your friend. And you're like, whoa, this is cool, you know? And all of a sudden, he's like, I'm giving you full access to my life. Yeah, I'm a big deal. I'm head of the United States government, but I want to be your friend, and I'm giving you full access. Whenever you want to come and spend time with me, you're welcome to. Here's a personal cell phone just for you that you can call and talk to me whenever you want. Like, I'll make time for you. If you want to come and hang out in the Oval Office and we'll just, you know, hang out or go in the backyard and shoot some hoops behind the White House, I don't know if they have basketball court, we can do that. Drew likes basketball, so his president would want to do that with him. Like, what would you do if, if that favorite president, right, the man who has the most power in the most powerful nation in the world said, I want to spend time with you anytime you want. I'm that fond of you. We would do whatever it took to, like, clear our schedule, Right? <laughs> And we would like be traveling to the White House all the time to hang out. Wouldn't that be cool? We wouldn't waste a moment. I'd hang out with the Secret Service. You know what I mean? It'd be just cool. Like, let me see your gun. <laughs> we wouldn't waste a moment. So if you like that, understand this. We've been given even greater access to one who's even more powerful, who has more authority, and who actually has the power to change our lives. The king of the universe gives you and I a personal cell phone, so to speak, right? The ability to have conversation at any moment, at any time during our day. The one who has the power to bring change to the circumstances that we just can't figure out how they're going to change unless God shows up. The creator of heaven and earth says, I'm giving you full access when you become my child and you start following me. That should humble us, guys. It humbles me because there's times that I take my relationship for, with God for granted and I find myself not talking to him for a while. You know, whether that's an hours or days, whatever it is, it should humble us. 
we have been given access to Father God. And he wants to have conversation with you and I. He wants to spend time with you. Sometimes we view God as this dictator who just wants obedience and you just shut up and listen. Sorry. You just shut up and listen. God, you're good with that. Uh, you shut up and listen and do what I say. And it's like, yes, he wants our obedience, but it starts with a friendship where we begin to trust him and fall in love with him so that we know his plans for our lives. And when you know the promises and plans that he has that are found in the word of God, it's a whole lot easier to spend time with him and follow him, right? Because you know his goodness. You know that he has good things in store. And the heart of the gospel message is that God the Father made a way for you and I to have a relationship with him. Through the life, death, and resurrection of his son Jesus, he made a way for you and I. He loves us that much and he wants to spend time with us that much that he said, I'm going to send my only son so you can have relationship with me. And that was the price that had to be paid for our sins, for the things that we had done that separated us from God. He says, I want you guys back into my family. I want you back in a relationship. I want to make it so it's possible for you to access me at all times. That's how bad God wants to spend time with you and I. So the miracle of prayer is not that God answers our requests whenever we throw them at him. The miracle of prayer is that he loves us enough to want relationship with us, to spend time with us. Can you imagine just for a moment, like it's so hard sometimes to picture God because he's so much bigger than us. He's, he's outside the realm of understanding that we understand. But you just look at the stars. I was walking last night and I was looking up at the stars and I stopped. I'm sure neighbors were wondering why this guy is just gazing at the stars on the sidewalk. I thought I was crazy. But I was just having a moment with the Lord and I was just looking at the vastness of the sky and the stars and I was thinking about how long it takes for the light of the stars I'm looking at to actually reach earth. I just started thinking, like that is just itty bitty when it comes to the power of God. Like that's just a snap of his finger. And I just started thinking about how big God is and how small we are and yet he wants relationship with you and I. It's incredibly humbling to me. So this morning, I find myself when I teach on prayer, a lot of times talking about the how behind pray. How do we pray? What does it look like? And that's absolutely important, and we need to know how. Especially for those who are just beginning a relationship with Jesus, we need to know that prayer is a conversation with God, right? And there's aspects of prayer that we need to understand so we can have healthy prayer time, so we understand who we're talking to, so that we know that the, of the access that we have, right? There's a lot of people who I've met, who've been following Christ, and they don't realize that prayer is a conversation where, yes, we bring petitions to him, we bring requests, but we also listen and allow him to speak to us. And that's an important part of our prayer life. But this morning, I want us to talk about the why behind prayer. Because I think sometimes it's easy to understand the mechanics of prayer, but sometimes because of our struggles, our own experiences with God, Sometimes I, I, I found my own life or my, my own situations that sometimes we find ourselves in a dry season. It's like, why should I pray, God? Where are you? I don't feel like praying. I think there are some here this morning, maybe the thought of prayer, maybe you have a difficult time spending more than five minutes in prayer with God the Father. And I don't mean that in a condemning way. I'm just letting you know these are questions or situations I've walked through my own life. Sometimes it's like four minutes is up. You're like, all right, I've given you everything I've got, God. Now respond. You know what I mean? I'm not feeling anything. And God's like, whoa, we just, we just 
got to the restaurant. We just sat down. We haven't ordered food yet, you know? Imagine a date, right? You go on a date and you just sit down and order, order, order your appetizer and you're like, well, that was amazing. Thanks for your time. And you get up and leave. Sometimes I think that's how we treat God. It's just like, here's what I got, Lord. See you later. I think there are some here this morning who haven't experienced prayer where the power of the Holy Spirit, God's presence comes over you in such a powerful way that there's nowhere else you want to be. There's nothing else you want to do except just sit in his presence. And can I tell you, that's not a bad thing in terms of if you haven't experienced, but what I'm telling you is he wants you to experience that. Because when you experience those times, it changes everything. It literally does. It gives you a hunger for prayer. It gives you this belief and faith that, okay, God, you are real and you are there and you do want to spend time with me. Because what I've experienced is out of this world. Amen? Have some of you experienced that, right? It's incredible. As you guys know, Pastor Drew and the leadership team, we, he's been talking about the week of prayer next week. Um, Drew's been spending many hours praying, writing, um, putting a lot of emphasis on next week, not because we're trying to push a program, but because we want all of you to come and see that prayer matters and that prayer can change your situation. But can I throw something out there regarding next week's time of prayer together? So I think there might even be some here who would say, man, I've already filled my schedule. Or even when I heard about prayer for an hour every night for five days, I was like, ooh, that's tough. I'm, I'm too busy. Well, this morning... I want us to talk about the why behind prayer. My hope is after we spend some time together is that you'll get an excitement for what God can and wants to do in your life. And that next week is not just going to be a dry hour for five nights coming together. It's not going to be this religious duty, but rather this life-giving time, spending time with God the Father in his presence. First thing I want us to look at tonight is this, or tonight, it's not tonight, it's 10.53, this morning. <laughs> Used to preaching to college students in the evening. As I was preparing for this message, the thing that's been really just burning in my heart, there's two things actually, and I'm going to share those with you this morning. There are two things that I found in my own life with Christ that have kept me encouraged, kept me filled with hope even when I don't feel like praying. And so those are the things I want to share with you this morning. I hope that they encourage you to grow deeper in Christ. The first is this. Prayer reminds us of God's presence in our daily lives. Prayer reminds us of God's presence in our daily lives. I can't tell you how important this is for each of us. What I've learned is the more time I spend with God, it's not a religious duty but the more time I spend with him, the more time I'm in his presence, the more time I see him show up in my life, the deeper my faith grows. The next time a situation arises, the less likely I am to freak out and to let worry and anxiety overwhelm me because I know what God's done in the past. I know what his word says, but now... I've seen him come through, so it means something more than just reading it. Does that make sense? Truth in the word is coupled with, like, the reality of him coming through, and you put that together, and it's like no one can convince you otherwise because it's, it's God showing up in your life. 
And it's so easy when we only come to God when we want things or maybe it's every so often that when life throws us something difficult, it's so easy to be sidetracked and derailed and to freak out and to think, God, where are you? Where is my life? And you know, what's happening? I've literally, there were seasons of my life early on in my walk with Jesus where I would just come to when I needed something. What I found is I was always so susceptible to be thrown off track by every one of those difficult circumstances. Why? Even though I was reading this, I didn't fully believe that God is good. I didn't fully believe that his promises were true for my life. I hadn't experienced enough of what God was actually doing in my life to actually learn to trust him enough to say, God, I'm actually gonna rely on your promises of scripture in this situation because I've experienced your goodness. I've walked through it and you've shown up in my life. And it changes everything. As I said, I've been walking with the Lord for 14 years now and that's not that long. Uh, many of you have been walking with the Lord for many more years than that, but I've realized in that short amount of time, the thing that has kept me focused on the Lord and encouraged in the Lord is my time with him because I cannot doubt his existence or his presence. David was a man of prayer. If you guys, most of you know the story of King David. He was a man of prayer. The Bible says he was actually a man after God's own heart. How would you like like that to be written on your tombstone one day? I would love that. Like, not by myself. Like, hey, honey, can, Tara, can you have this written on my tombstone? Like, man, after God's own heart. Like, that wouldn't be nearly as powerful, right? That wouldn't be cool, actually. That'd be, I'd hope someone would scribble it off. But he was known to be a man after God's own heart, and he was a man of prayer, a man who was intimate with the Lord, who knew the Lord. He was not a perfect man, as you guys know. I love David because it gives me hope for my own life. Right? Amen? Sometimes you see Paul and you're like, Paul, you said a couple of dumb things in the New Testament, but most of all, you were pretty on track. And David, I can relate to. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The thing I love about David was he was familiar with fame and riches, notoriety, and he was also familiar with brokenness and going without no one knowing who he was, being on the run, and then everything in between. You look at the life of David, he literally had walked through pretty much every circumstance. I mean, in terms of having a lot, having nothing, being known, being unknown, his, his son trying to kill him, his kingdom being taken away. I mean, how hard would that have been? You look at his life, he had a rough life. Yes, he had high points and good things that was going on, but there's a lot of humanity in David's life and story. I want us to turn to Psalms 13 this morning. This is a Psalm of David, and he says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? I want to stop there for a moment. I'm going to be totally honest. As I was studying this psalm and as I was preparing for this message, this psalm really hit home for me. Because what he is saying right here, there's been often times, or many a times, that I've felt exactly what he's saying right here. And to be totally honest with you guys, just recently, I felt this way. David was depressed. David was discouraged. I'm not saying clinically depressed compared to momentarily depressed. I don't know. But he was struggling. There was something, you know, this situation was going on in his life, and he was struggling, 
How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, O Lord my God. Give me light to my eyes, or I will sleep in death. My enemy will say I have overcome him, and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, for he has been good to me. He starts off this psalm with gut-wrenching honesty, right? He's like, God, what is going on? What is happening? But not so long, he finishes by saying, I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord for he has been good to me. Remember earlier when we were talking, there's something that happens when we've seen God's goodness and we've experienced God's goodness and we've walked through God's goodness. Even though David was struggling and faltering in an area of his life, by the end of the conversation, it, he says, but God, I know that you're good. And I trust you. And guys, can I tell you, there's something about our relationship with Christ that's so much more fun and refreshing. I don't say fun is like this, wee-hoo, life is easy. But there's something that goes so much deeper when we can walk through circumstances. And even though we might complain, and even though we might be like freaking out for a moment, that we can stop and say, but God, you're good. And even though in my humanity I'm complaining right now, or maybe I yelled at you, God, I know that you're good. And in the end, even though I don't know the time or how it's going to work out, I know that you're going to come through. And there's something so refreshing as a follower of Christ when we can start walking in a lifestyle like that because it's less like a ping pong ball, always going back and forth of like, God, are you real? Are you not real? Are you real? Are you not real? But it's God, you're good. And so when we pray, it reminds us of God's presence in our lives. And because of David's active relationship with God the Father, he was able to walk through some very difficult circumstances and situations without them overtaking him. And I believe that God wants the same thing for your life and for my life. You know, I'm at a place in my relationship with the Lord, and you have to hear me for a second. I'm saying this humbly. I don't, I'm not saying this arrogantly, but I'm at a place in my relationship with the Lord that no matter what comes my way or what has come my way thus far, I can't speak for the future, but I believe for the future, that I could never deny him or turn from him. I couldn't have said that seven, eight, nine years ago maybe, but I can now. And it's not because I'm super, you know, Superman of faith, Kyle Trozen, or I'm awesome. No, it's just from going through difficulty and seeing God come through, growing, struggling, growing. You know what I'm saying? That process. And I've come to a place where God has showed up enough in my life that I can't deny his existence. I can't deny the reality, his reality in my life. I've seen him heal people. I've seen people healed that would not otherwise have been able to be healed. I mean, medical, you know, me doctors were like, I don't know how this is happening. <laughs> he's given, he's put words on my heart to share with someone. Happened at fall retreat this year. Actually, it's happened since. But even at fall retreat, there was like three students. He gave me words for that I was able to share for them, share with them. And they were spot on things, words of knowledge that I would not have known on my own. Where it's like, whoa, that's cool, God. Thank you for being present in my life. Those are the moments that define our faith because they build this trust and faith that goes so deep. And my prayer for each of you 
is that if you're not already there, that you'll continue to journey with the Lord so you get to a place that no matter what happens, you'll be able to say, God, no matter what comes my way, just like David was going through, no matter how tough life is, you can say, God, you're good and I trust you. Did you know our hearts and our minds, they tend to lie to us? You know the old adage, like, follow your heart. Don't do it. <laughs> follow you. Fall right off a cliff. The older I get, I would say, how do I say this? The older I get, the more I'm aware of life's troubles and difficulties and circumstances that I didn't experience when I was younger. You know, when you're younger, you're kind of sheltered for more of it. And as you get older, more responsibilities. You walk through a little more start to realize, wow, life is messy. My own life is messy. My family is messy, you know? Extended family, amen? Shogun, don't raise your hand. I love my family. But it, it's not just roses all the time, is it? Life is just messy. And our hearts and our minds lie to us. And it's so important for us to be in the word of God to apply the principles, not just to cover ground, but to apply the principles of his word to our lives, to let them be written on our hearts, and then couple that with prayer. You see, when we can take these things to prayer and to talk to God with them, and we start walking through situations, and instead of freaking out, we can say, well, God, your word says in Proverbs, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your understanding, seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. It's a lot easier to face that situation Coupled with God, you've come through in the past. Here's what your word says. My mind's telling me to do this, but I'm going to go with you on this one. You've proven yourself worthy. You've proven yourself good. So I'm going to trust this promise over what my mind and my heart are telling me. I had a really life-changing situation happen about six years ago. It changed my heart for prayer. It changed my belief that God wants to answer prayer. And as I said, it's really important for us to understand that God does not answer our prayers the way we want it all the time. And it's obviously for our best, even though we don't see it. And his timing is not our timing. And that's the most difficult thing for me. I don't know if that's difficult for you. But I wish I had his clock. It would just make my life so much easier because his timing is so different. But just be encouraged to know that his timing is perfect and right. But about six years ago, I was walking through a very difficult situation. And I'd come to, my, to the end of my rope, so to speak, where I didn't, I'm like, I was following Christ, but this situation was bigger than me. And I couldn't get past it. It was affecting a lot of areas of my life. And I remember on my commute to work, I just got to the point, I was so humbled. I was just so humbled. I got to have, I don't know what else to do. And I started yelling at him. I mean, I was mad. I mean, I was, God can take it, you guys, just so you know that, okay? Prayer doesn't have to be, oh God, you are so good. And I'm unworthy. You know, I, I, prayer, you look at David, you look at the examples in scripture of what prayer is like, it can be gut-wrenching honest. And I was gut-wrenching honest. And I was like, God, if you don't come through, I don't know what's going to happen. But it was way louder. The decibels were like over 100. And it wasn't happy. But I was angry. And I, I was telling God, I was like, you have to come through. But I was at this place of brokenness and humility where God could do something. And so I just started praying every day. I remember the prayer was, God, give me a love for people that I don't have right now. You see, I wanted to love people like Christ loves people. I wanted to love people like the word of God says we should love people, but I was, man, I was so far from that. 
I still am today, but I'm on a journey. And I remember saying, God, I want to hunger for your word like I've never experienced before. God, reading your word seems boring and dry to me. He can handle that, just so you know. But I was gut-wrenching honest. I want to hunger and thirst for you. Your word says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. God, that promise, I want that. I don't want to just be religious. And I started praying that every morning on the way to work, not as a means if I pray it 72 times, it'll come true, but I was that broken. And every morning on the drive to work, I'd pray that. So hungry. It was about six months later. I was lying on my couch one night after I put the kids to bed and reading the book of Daniel. I remember it like it was yesterday. I remember I was reading the book of Daniel and all of a sudden I stopped. I'm like, what am I doing? Like, I'm just having so much fun reading God's word right now. It's like 8 o'clock at night. I'm like, I could be watching TV. I could be doing something else. But I'm just enjoying being in the presence of God, spending time in his word. And it dawned on me, God, you answered my prayer. It wasn't in my timing. I would have loved it if on that first drive you would have answered on the way to work. It was like six months later. Through a lot of messiness, brokenness, my life hadn't completely changed in those six months, but what I found there was a slow progression where God was starting to help me make healthier decisions. He started infusing a hunger and a thirst for him. It literally changed my outlook. It was not long after, probably a year later, that God had Drew call and invite us here. And Don't get me wrong, I was living for the Lord, but I was going through a very dry season. And it was just so much fun because it, just, it deepened my faith that God does move in our prayers and that prayer changes everything. Second thing, last thing we're going to talk about this morning is prayer activates the power of God to change our circumstances. Prayer activates the power of God to change our circumstances. This is one that we've been contending for as a leadership team of Chi Alpha and LifePoint for some time. We talk, Drew and I talk about it often. You see, we see so many issues in our own lives, in our own families, in our own communities, that without the power of God showing up, there's no hope. There's mental illness that, yes, we have doctors, I'm thankful for them, and medication, those things, but there's certain situations in our, literally in our own families, our own friends, our own communities, that we're like, whether it be mental illness or someone not following Jesus, whatever it is, we're like, God, if you do not show up in this, nothing good can happen. Unless the power of God comes through in this person's life, it's bigger than us. It's bigger than the medical field. It's bigger than what they can do. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? So prayer has the ability to activate. It doesn't have the ability. It does activate the power of God. And it has the ability to change the circumstances you and I are facing. I want you to turn to Acts 12. This is just one of many circumstances where prayer changed the circumstance, because God showed up. It's found in Acts 12, verses 1 to 14. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with a sword. When he saw that this pleased the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The night before Herod was bringing him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. 
Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals, and Peter did so. How many of you know when an angel shows up in your situation, you listen to him? Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison. He had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were anticipating. We're going to stop there for a moment. Remember what we were talking about earlier? How prayer reminds us of God's presence in our lives daily. How God shows up and reminds us. Here's another moment where I guarantee in Peter's life, he's like, I'm not forgetting this. God, you are real. You know, he already knew Israel. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. Rhoda. going to stop there. Now, this is just one of many stories in Scripture, and I could tell you many stories in my own life for the power of God intervened on my behalf or a friend's behalf to change the situation. So we see God showing up right in Peter's life in a powerful way. How many of you would love to have an angel like show up and come through for you in a situation? I would, right? Yeah, that'd be cool. But the more important thing about this short snippet or the short story is that in, in verse, um, sorry, I got to go back here for a second. In verse five, it says the church was earnestly praying to God for Peter. And later when he goes to John Mark's house, that was the house where they, the Bible makes it very known, reminds us this is the house where the believers had been praying for Peter. Yes, it's cool that the angel showed up. Yes, it's cool that God came through. But why? I believe, and it's said twice, it's because people were interceding and praying for Peter. They were asking God. They are saying, God, you got to come through for our brother Peter or else he's going to probably be killed just like James was killed. And God moved in a powerful way on behalf of the people praying. Now, I can't speak for God. I can't tell you what would have happened if those believers weren't praying. But I think of that for a moment. What would have happened if they had not been praying for Peter that night? I know God had a plan for Peter. He was building his church on him, but it just makes you wonder. Something God laid on Tiernight's hearts really strongly this summer was that we needed to pave the way for our college students regarding prayer. We believe fully in equipping others, allowing them to run with something that's, that wasn't, we weren't trying to stifle that, but we really felt this summer that if we are going to back what we believe regarding prayer, we need to be doing it. Obviously, we hope that that'll multiply and students will start doing it on their dorms on their own, but we're like, we need to start modeling that in our home. And so every Sunday night, we started this last semester, we're going to continue to do it. We open up our house 
and students are welcome to come. And what we do is we just simply come together. We put on music and students are welcome to use our house and we just scatter and we just pray for about 45 minutes on our own. Nothing fancy. Just simply we tell them the idea of this is not entertainment. It's not to just be here because it's your religious duty. It's to call on the name of the Lord. To fall more in love with Jesus. To bring requests to him that only he can answer. That only he can show up in. And so we have students spread across the living room with their journals open, writing down things that the Lord are putting on their heart or scriptures that he's putting on their heart or lying on the floor crying, whatever it is. Just There's some Sunday nights where, man, it's powerful. And like I was talking about earlier, the presence of God shows up and it's tangible. And there's other Sunday nights where it, you don't feel that way, but you know that God is listening. And in those times, we come together after we pray separately and we share the things maybe God's put on our heart, or share testimonies of God's goodness throughout the week. Big situations, impossible situations that these students or Tara and I or our family, we don't have the ability to change outside of the power of God showing up. And then we just lay hands on each other in a living room. Like I said, this is just low-key. And we just pray over one another. And can I tell you, it's the favorite night of my week. Because God shows up. It's a reminder that he's powerful and that he cares about me. He cares about us. He cares about our circumstances. Guys, can I tell you this semester, it's all God. But I've seen the power of God more this semester than I have in a long time. God's sovereign. I don't know why. We've been praying more than we ever have, Tara and I. But, I mean, it's not because of us. But one of our students got healed at fall retreat, his shoulder. He had major shoulder pains. And he got healed, literally. He kept coming to me. He's like, I don't know what's happening. It's still feeling good. Like, he just, you could tell he's like, probably been prayed for before. And like, he's like, yes, I'm healed, but it really hurts. Like, he'd been healed. It was like, cool, God. Thank you. You care about him. Awesome. We had a young gal, a freshman this year, who God healed her knees. She'd been going to physical therapy. I shared this a while back. I think it was in October, November. Twice a week. She's very active. And it was giving her so much pain. And Sheena Bryan, one of our Chi Alpha staff, Felt the Lord put on her heart one Tuesday night, hey, we should, Lord's saying that he wants to heal someone's knees, and if that's you, come on up. And she just prayed a simple prayer. And guess what? God healed her. She went back to her physical therapist, and she said, I think I'm healed. My, <laughs> my knees are feeling better. And the physical therapist like, well, let's take a look. And they had done nothing. You know, the physical therapist had been working with her, but nothing had changed since last week's appointment. She's like, you need to do, like, do this exercise, do this workout. So she was there for like an hour, like doing these strenuous workouts and she was sweaty and like, can I go home now? And she's like, this, this uh, physician was just like, come back next week. I want to take a look again. So she came back the week after and the physicians or doctors like, it's better. I don't know why. And she, it was cool. She uses the time to testify. She's like, God is good and he healed me. And she said the doctors looked at her and smiled. But I was like, that's so cool. Is literally, she couldn't even believe it at first, this doctor, but she's like, you are healed. I mean, you're, you're better. I can't explain it. Once again, the power of God showed up. I had a student that texted, actually called me here two weeks ago, one of our freshman students, and uh, his father is going through a, I don't know how to describe it, life-altering situation. It's completely affecting their family. They had to leave their home. Tragic. I mean, I just, I sat with his, on hour-long phone call with his mother and this student praying for them praying that God would come through and I just got a text last night that the situation isn't perfect but God showed up and he's allowing him to get the help he needs and the situation two weeks ago was very impossible <laughs> and he 
texted me last night excited because he saw God show up and his dad is getting the help he needs to make the right steps to move forward and their family should be able to stay together. And I was like, God, that's what we need. We need your power to come through in these circumstances that are too big for us. How many of you this morning would be honest enough to say there's at least one situation in your life right now that if God doesn't show up, it's too big for you? I'm raising two hands. Yeah. Paul says in Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your request to God. How often do these big situations come our way and they cause so much anxiety, so much stress. They suck the life out of us. They occupy our minds. But Paul says here, do not be anxious about anything. Paul wasn't simply saying, hey, try hard enough. You don't be anxious. Don't worry. Thomas, don't worry about the situation. Like, work really hard, you know. Use your mind power. He's not saying that, but he's saying, here's a better way. But give those requests to God by petitioning to God and start thanking God for what he's going to do. And you know what that does, guys, in these situations, just like this student of ours is facing, when we can give those situations to God and begin thanking him for what he's going to do, even though we can't maybe fully understand what he's going to do, or maybe we don't feel like we can see beyond the situation, when we start thanking him and giving those situations to God, our focus gets off the worry and the stress of it and it doesn't consume us and we allow God to show up in power. We put our dependence on him to say, God, you're the only way this situation can change. And that's my prayer for you guys and my own family is that we wouldn't be tossed back and forth by every difficulty, but when those things come, that we could say, God, here you go. I'm just going to start thanking you. I don't know what else to do. When we moved to Ames, we had an impossible situation if we were to become missionaries to the campus with Drew and Tanya at that time. We had, as you guys know, missionaries aren't millionaires. We're close. We're close. <laughs> but, it, you know, it, we're fine. But it was like, we were taking a pay cut. We'll just put it that way from what we were doing. And the amount we were going to live off of was like, we can't live off that if we have any student loan debt. Like, we, we still had student loan debt at that time. And um, it was a significant amount still. And we're like, God, if we're going to be missionaries, we have to get rid of this. And we felt he was saying, move to Ames, become missionaries. And we're like, God, you're going to have to come through financially. We've been chipping away at the student loan debt. We've been being faithful. We've been trying to put extra. But here we are now, you're saying go, but we have this lump sum that we need to pay off. And so... Praise Jesus, we bought our house at the absolute worst time when we moved to Bismarck, the town that we were living in before we came here. It was at the height of the Bakken oil boom. Most of you know what that is. We'd bought when the house pricing was totally inflated, but there was two house options when we moved there, so we picked one. And uh, it was totally inflated. And so we didn't have any equity, so we thought, in our house. But we're like, God, I don't know how else you're going to come through, but we're like, we're going to put our house up for sale. We're going to list it for more than we paid for. And if you want to provide by some other means, go for it. You know, we're like, but this is the only way we know what to do right now. And so we talked to our realtor, and she's like, what do you want to list it for? And I'm like, here's the number I think we need. She's like, okay, let's do it. And it was 70000 more than what we paid for it a year and a half earlier. Figuring realtor fees, taxes, and then paying off student loan debt, what have you. And so we bought the house for two forty-five. We listed it for three twenty, and we started praying. <laughs> we got an offer for three fifteen. We're like, take it. Yeah, yes, done, done. Praiser comes, looks at the house, 
And if you guys are familiar with how the process works, they try to find comparable houses or comps in the market that are similar so they can justify the price that you're selling for. I find out later, at the day of closing, we're sitting there waiting to sign papers and my realtor looks over and she's not a believer, but she's a close friend of the family. So I don't know how off, you know, caught off guard she was at my comment, but she goes, I don't know how your house sold for that amount. I go, why is that, Shirley? She goes, well, the appraiser called you know, a couple weeks before closing and said, I can't find comparable houses for them. It's just way overpriced. He's like, would you look for some comparable houses? Well, if you guys know how that works, appraisers don't ask realtors for their advice. They don't ask them to find comparable houses. So what Shirley did is she found some houses that were in the same price range. They weren't comparable houses. And this was not on me. Um, I didn't know this until we saw And she said, here you go. And the appraiser said, great, thank you. And so we ended up selling the house for 70000 or, um, you know, 70000 more than what we paid for a year and a half ago in an inflated oil boom market. That should not have happened. She looked at me and she goes, I don't know how that happened. And it, I didn't even think about it, guys. I didn't even think. I was just like, God, you're good. And I'm like, it's because God is good. And he wants us to move to Iowa to be missionaries. And he came through. Amen. And she just looked at me and smiled. She's like, all right, cool. <laughs> and guys, can I tell you that those impossible situations with God are nothing. And they don't always happen instantly. It's not always about money. That was just something, a hurdle that we had to get through in order to come here. I didn't get to pocket that. I wish I could have bought a new truck with that. But it was like exactly once we paid off that realtor fee and our student loans, it's like, all right, Lord, let's go, let's go to McDonald's and have a burger. You know? But it was enough. And it seems like a lot, but it was enough. And I was like, praise God. And he wants to do the same in your lives. I cannot promise you the timing. I cannot promise you how it's going to happen, but I can tell you if you rely on him, he will come through with his power in your situation. So my heart for us this morning before we leave, just to let you know, guys, our heart, I can confidently say it with Drew, is that you guys would continue to experience God's presence in your daily lives. That you continue to see the power of God at work in your daily lives. That you would contend for nothing less, guys. If we're contending for anything less, why follow Jesus? What I see in the New Testament is like they were going after God with everything they had. They believed that what God, what Jesus said was true. And so are we as a church, right? Amen? What's written here, we're going to believe for it. We're going to believe that the miracles that Jesus did are the same things he wants to do today. And we see that very clear in Scripture. So why contend for anything less? We serve a powerful God. So next week, I believe next week's week of prayer isn't just something, actually, I don't, I don't say I believe this. I know it's not just something Drew threw on the calendar. He wrote a book for you guys for this week of prayer. Literally, I don't know who else just writes a book for his church for a week of prayer. And can I tell you guys, there's a lot of weight to that. He didn't just write a book because he's like, I have new insights on prayer that I need to share with the world and charge $13.99. <laughs> no, he's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write a book specifically for his church, that God had entrusted to him specifically for his church because he loves you guys so much that he wants each of you to experience what he's experienced in his own life with prayer. So he's not writing this book and then bringing it to church next Sunday morning saying, here you go, 1399, you can have my book I wrote for you. I love you guys. He's saying, no, here's a free copy. We're gonna read through it together and then next week, we're gonna go on a journey. And maybe you guys have already got it. I don't know, I was gone last Sunday. But we're going to go on a journey and encounter God together. How beautiful is that, guys? I could take a year and I still wouldn't be able to write a book. And he's like, in October, he's like, I'm going to write a book for the week of prayer. <sighs> Love you, bro. <laughs> I'm going to have the worship team come up.
Next week's not the end all. If you don't show up, you won't experience God's presence. It's not, it's not what I'm saying. But I would encourage each of you to clear your schedule next week. Maybe you can't come all five nights. It's from six to seven, Monday through Friday next week, not this coming week, but the week of the 7th through the 11th of January. Maybe you can only come three nights. Come. There's going to be something for everyone. There's something for your children if you have children. Pastor Nicole's been preparing something super special for them regarding prayer. Maybe you can only come once. Come once. But I'd encourage you to prayerfully consider clearing out your schedule. I believe that next week's going to be a catalyst for many of us. And I, I would say all of us, if we're willing to do it, that we'd come together. Many of us just need to experience God's presence. Maybe it's been years. Maybe you feel so dry that you're like, God, I don't even feel your presence. When's the last time we spent an hour on our face before him? Giving him a chance to show up. Maybe we've been too busy and we haven't given him a time. Next week's a perfect opportunity, guys. It's set up just for us. That's the whole point. There's no agenda other than to call on the name of the Lord and for him to show up in our lives. Maybe some of you have impossible situations. Let's come together as a family next week, guys, and go after that together. Let's go, let's go after those impossible situations on our faces with tears, and it's going to be ugly. You know what I mean? It's not pretty when you're praying, you know, those prayers like I was driving that day, and I told you I'm yelling at God. Like, there's something, though, that activates that we're so humble. We're saying, God, you have to come through, or I don't know what I'm going to do, just like David. Would you guys perfectly consider clearing your schedules next week to be a part of what we believe God wants to do in this church and in this community and in our families. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information about LifePoint Church, please visit www.livethemessage.org.